You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast. I am your host for today, James Johnson, a.k.a. Sports Grind underscore done as you all know me on Twitter uh, here live today uh, with two thirds of the group and uh, the other one third being my man Jacob Jadella uh, Lawrence, who uh, actually joined me the last time was I think for the Leon Cersei podcast if I'm not mistaken uh, yes sir so my man uh, I think me and Phil did one after that so I, I would like to welcome you back to the show how you doing my man Oh man, I'm doing glorious tonight. Uh feels good to be back. I'm just saying when you have episodes without me and I come back, I think we should have Mace's welcome back playing before I speak. Like eh, you know, <laughs> might be a little egotistical, but it's what I pops mean, in my mind. I mean, you know, we we're an egotistical crew, you know, if you will. I mean people that listen to the show know that. <laughs> By the way, I'm joking, y'all. What are you talking about? We're very humble. Exactly. I'm joking, y'all. Like we, we probably lost uh some some listeners right there on that part alone when I, when I said we're egotistical. But that was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but we are indeed glad to be back. Shout outs to Phil, uh, who wasn't able to make today's episode or tonight's episode. It's actually like ten fourteen in the middle of the night. But he's uh been working on moving. Uh he Still in Jacksonville, fear not, y'all. He's not moving out of Jacksonville, but he's moving within the city. And um, said he'll definitely be on for the next podcast. So we'll reach out to him later and and get some uh, some content with him. And uh, us being me and Jacob, hopefully we could get the group together. Is what I'm saying. But um, nonetheless, we got an action packed episode here. I don't know what number episode we're on. We're in the 30s somewhere, I believe, Jacob. Which is that, that's a pretty good. Uh, that means we've been going strong, man. I, I didn't think we would make it to the to 15. To be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I feel like once the regular season comes back, one, two episodes a week, you know, we get on that Joe Budden plan. We get two a week, and, you know, next thing you know, we shooting up into the hundreds like it's nothing. You you know what? That's not a bad idea because the Locked on Jags podcast, actually, they uh, shout-outs to them. Uh, they lost Zach Goddard, who is going to cover the Florida Gators for 24-7 sports. But that was kind of the go-to podcast in terms of, like, uh, multiple episodes throughout the week. For Jaguars news, so maybe we can take their place. Although they got T Wig over there, and they're gonna be uh, still recording and whatnot. But you know, we're trying to just provide more Jazz content for the people out there, nonetheless. So um, that, uh, all of that being said, hold on, let me make sure I ain't lost Jacob here because I just heard a sound. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I just heard a sound effect in the back. Uh, but uh, all of that said, you all know where to get connected with us: uh, JaguarsWire.usatoday.com. Uh, Jags Den Podcast on Twitter at the Jaguars Wire for the Jaguars Wire, of course. And of course, you can follow Jacob at underscore Jadella. And also, we are on many outlets or interfaces on the web in terms of where you can listen to our archived episodes iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Deezer, which I forgot to put on my outline, but we're on there. And, of course, we're on the Audio Boom Network uh, with the USA Today Wire sites. So feel free to check us out as as well as our comrades who have been putting out good content as well throughout the NFL draft. 
So with that being said, speaking of the NFL draft, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the draft content, we're going to give our grades, by the way, on each pick and talk about some of the undrafted guys as well. Uh, Jacob is going to hit you all with some quick hits. We only got two of two on today. And again, today is April the 30th, is it? Yeah, April the 30th. Yep. Uh, and this is as of Tuesday night, the latest quick hit. So uh, go right ahead, Jacob. Um, yeah, just real quick. The Jags announced earlier today, again, April 30th, that they, uh, the rookie class will all participate in minicamp May 10th through 12th. So that will be next week. Yep. Next week in Jacksonville. So, of course, you know, nothing too major there. Just, hey, come on in town. Let's get a little workout in. See how you look. Just go through some things. Get you introduced to Coach Coughlin and welcome to Camp Hell, son. <laughs> <laughs> right. And nobody gets hurt, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> right. major. Hopefully everybody survives in his own and good and healthy going into regular training camp. Right. And it looks like there'll be at least 35 players there. A couple right. undrafted free agents, some first-year players also. So, yeah. And then speaking of undrafted free agents, well – Actually, not quite undrafted free agents, but the uh, Jags claim James on Walu. I'm butchering your name. My apologies. Off of waivers <laughs> from the Niners, adding some more depth to the linebacking core. So there we go. Yep. So, yeah, hopefully he'll uh, provide some. Uh, we, we got we drafted Quincy Williams. I forgot if we got any undrafted guys, but he'll provide some depth there. A veteran face uh, played with the Chargers at first and then went on to the 49ers. So. Uh, you know, that that's an area that was of concern in terms of the depth is the linebacker position. So we'll see what he offers there. Mostly a special teams guy, though. So uh, we'll see. Um, he'll have plenty of opportunities to prove himself in uh, camp and OTAs and this, that, and the other. So uh, good stuff right there from Jacob on the quick hits. We're going to move on into the bulk of the show. Uh, I told Jacob beforehand that I'm, we're going to try and uh, keep it brief, make it listenable and not long. But when me and Jacob get together, as y'all know, like the podcasts tend to get long, but they be like quality, quality content, man. So, uh, I, dude, I think then we, me and you create the longest uh, Jaguars podcast episode ever for the Jags then. Yeah, we had to break it down in two parts. Y'all yeah. y'all going to get this work. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right. We're going it, to give you quality entertainment and analysis. Yeah, it was quality, man. Definitely that. That's why it's best to have Phil hosting because, like, he keeps us on the timeline. But guess what? Phil is busy moving today, so y'all just going to have to deal with us uh, making this long and drawn out, if you will. So, uh, that being said, we're going to get into the draft class of 2019 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars had seven picks, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, yep, had seven picks in totality. Added 21 free agents after undrafted free agents, that is. And me and Jacob are going to look at each of them, one player at a time. Not the undrafted guys, but the, the draft picks themselves. And uh, give our grades and our thoughts on each of those. Starting with... Uh, the Jacks' first overall pick, which was pick number seven overall, defensive end, or should I say pass rusher specialist out of Kentucky, Josh Allen, uh, 6'5", 262 pounds, uh, ran a 4'6", 3 at the combine. Just He tested very well athletically, 21 years of age. Uh, he had a 9.7 RAS, uh, and if nobody knows what that means, that is a way to measure his athleticism, which is very good. 
Um, and he's a guy that most of us, me and Jacob said it before the podcast, was probably the top in the top three in terms of uh, players, best players available in this draft. So the Jaguars got to steal from that perspective. Uh, he's a guy that can uh, come in and add to what they already have in the pass rush. And uh, really quick, Jacob, what are your thoughts in general on this pick? As I am pretty happy with it. I mean, a lot of people say going into the draft that Josh Allen was probably the third best, second best, depending upon who you ask. Uh, player available along with Kyle Murray and the kid from Ohio State whose name I will not mention. <laughs> uh, and Quentin Williams belongs in that conversation too from Alabama. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also that. But we'll get into um, – well, no, actually – Correction, Quentin Williams. Yeah, I thought you said Quincy for a second. No, I mean they're brothers, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I stopped. I was like, huh, <laughs> hold on now. <laughs> yeah, 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 that confuses me too at times. <laughs> oh, she had the name so close, but yeah, Quentin Williams definitely in that conversation. So yeah, Josh Allen was a top three. We'll just say five, so you know we can cover like everybody's big board and say he's probably in the top five to get him at seven. Considering who was sitting in front of you, that's a steal. I'll take it. Yeah. I have no problem with that. That is a great pick, great value. I just love at what point do we stop calling linebackers and defensive ends linebackers and defensive ends? It's just like, oh, he's an edge rusher. He's a pass rusher now. Like, have we gone to positionless football? Is that a thing? <laughs> like, I know we do it in basketball. Is that a thing yeah. now in football? Where well, I call, him, I call him a pass rusher because – he he stood up predominantly in at Kentucky from two point stance, and now he's going to probably put his hand in the dirt. But but so he's a linebacker. But the Jaguars will also allow him to. I think they will at least. We're going to talk on this to uh, stand up and rush as a thirty four linebacker too, like or as a thirty four linebacker would too. So to I mean like it's just a. A, cur- a, a common courtesy in the business just to say pass rusher at that point because he does everything pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, again, I have no problem with the pick whatsoever. I felt like it was a great selection. Yeah. Great value because, let's see, at pick seven, it's kind of like who are you going to take? Right. Yeah, we, we discussed that. They were in no man's land, kind of. If you will, I mean, like, yeah, sure. Uh, T.J. Hoggerson, the tight end from uh, Iowa State, was, you know, he he was a top ten player in my book in terms of a big board in my personal big board. He was on there, uh, but still, like, do you do you want to draft a tight end top ten? Because the history yeah. history says tight ends aren't going to produce well in their first year, and chances are a lot of tight ends taken in the first round have been busts. So that was my big thing with that. And then Jonah Williams, who I like and who could play multiple positions for them. But at the same time, Jonah Williams was more, to me, in my opinion, more of a top 15-ish pick than top 10 pick. So they were just like at seven, they were in no man's land. And the hope was that one of these big, one of the big three from the defensive side, that being Quentin Williams, uh, that also being uh, Bosa and uh, who else? Uh, it's somebody that's escaped. Yeah, and, and Allen. Um the hope was one of those three would fall to them, and I'm sure they weren't expecting it to be Allen because I wasn't. If you look on Jazz Wire, I never even mentioned Allen on any mock drafts or anything other than somebody taking him ahead of us because I didn't think he'd be there. Like, I, I didn't really have no in-depth 
analysis on this young man because I just I just knew the Jets were at the least were gonna take him. And there he was, lo and behold, sitting there for us at seven. I was telling uh I was telling Jacob about this, like I was looking at the draft unfold and I was like, Wait, somebody's here that shouldn't be here and I looked at the big board, I was like, Oh my god, Josh Allen is sitting there. And the Jaguars turned in their card so fast in the beginning of their timeline. I already knew what was going on at that point. I was like, yep, they're definitely taking him. So they got him. Um, uh, <laughs> and, I mean, you look at, like, what he brings to the table. Um, he, like I said, I, I was going to mention this. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you put him in, on a defensive line with Calais and Yannick and, and, and Marcel Darius, and you got Taven Bryan as well, like, it's like who who like it's a pick your poison situation situation. Who are you gonna block? You gotta choose to double team somebody, but you can't double team all of them when they're all, all on the field together. So by drafting him, the Jaguars just have made a, a great situation on the defensive line. And, you know, there's been discussions and I wanna hear Jacob's take on this about them moving to a thirty four defense because they now have Allen and they now have basically he was the last piece they really needed, him and Jake Ryan the linebacker who they got in free agency, a middle linebacker. Those were the two pieces they needed to move into a 3-4 defense. And now, like, people have been mentioning that, you know, you could stand Allen up, you could stand Ngakwe up, you could go with three big linemen, and you could run a hybrid 3-4 as well. So what what are your thoughts on that, Jacob, real quick? Um, before I get to that, you mentioned that it was like, all right, a few people are going to fall. What happens if the kid from Ohio State falls? Do you really take him? And you're asking you, because of his lack of like lack of being on the field, his lack of vers- uh, versatility. Uh, well, could, I think Bosa could have fit in our scheme personally. I think, I mean, he, yeah, he'd have to be on the line though. You can't stand him up. Uh, probably, probably. Like, I mean, like I didn't really watch a in depth a lot of um Bosa when I watched um Ohio State. I willing for like admit I was watching them on offense <laughs> to be honest with you because I, I was you know I was big on Haskins and we thought Haskins may be the guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars but I mean I think I think he could have put his hand in the dirt yeah you might make an argument there I, like I said I, I don't know in depth a lot about Bosa as much as I did with Allen because I mean obviously I'm an SEC fan with the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. But, yeah, I don't know if they could stand him up or not. That's a good question. Um, yeah, especially after you just took uh, old boy from Florida the year before. But moving into your thoughts about uh, the 3-4 defense, I mean, you finally got the pieces. Like you said, you were just missing a piece here, a piece there. You got the pieces now. And like we mentioned and just kind of discussed with the kid from Ohio State, he can't put his he can't stand up. He has to keep his hand in the ground. Josh Allen can do both, and he proved it at Kentucky that, hey, I'm effective standing up i'm effective with my hand in the ground i'm just effective on defense i mean it is what it is left side right side down the middle where you want me i'm coming just, through just move me around and let me <laughs> let me hurt somebody <laughs> yeah so yeah and i mean like i said and came from a 34 defense in maryland i do remember that um uh, I, I do remember studying him a ton in college so you know he's your other stand-up linebacker and then like i said you got your nose tackle marcel darius can anchor the middle um, you have Calais Campbell. You have Taven Bryan, who can probably be your defensive ends. Although people mostly argue that Taven's better as an interior guy as opposed to a defensive end. But, you know, he came from a 34 defense in Florida. He um, he can do some things. I, I think he could, you know, he could hold it down at 3-4 defensive end. Uh, 
But, you know, time will tell if they move to that. Like I say, they have um, Dom Capers now, who is a advisor for them, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, who used the 34 defense in Green Bay. Albeit, you know, in coverage, they weren't the best. You know, they were kind of, um, they used outdated concepts in coverage. Uh, but, like I say, this if they move to a 34 hybrid look, they can diversify this this defense, which me and Jacob and Phil have talked about in the past. It's kind of been bland and tired. Wash doesn't adapt uh, adapt well, if you will. So there is that on the table, and I'll, I'll be um, definitely watching to see if they want to make that transition through, uh, throughout this summer. So next pick was um, Jawan Taylor. Me and Phil and Jacob, again, we have talked about him in, I think, uh, one hour most recent podcast. You know, we, we discussed him being there for the first round pick and being selected for the first round pick potentially. And lo and behold, he falls to us in the second round. Jacob, what do you think of this pick? And uh, do you think it was as good of a value as everybody else did? Um, well, me, you, and Leon Cersei, we did discuss on that podcast where we had Leon on. He did discuss that he was mentoring Taylor and that Taylor could be a great fit for Jacksonville and that if you took him number seven, it wouldn't be a reach. And he also had the argument of, yeah, but I'm not taking – you're not taking a true left tackle. That's the only reason you would take somebody from the O-line that high. So to get him in the second round, still a great pick. If he pans out, great pick. Mm. It fixes, uh, fixes the O-line issue where – we don't have enough depth. We let a few people go. You have Cam coming off an ACL tear, so we don't know how he's going to move. Right. So it gives you options and flexibility, which is something that that unit needed. Mm. So, hey, take him in the second round. Still, and according to um, CBS Sports, an article by, let me see here, it's not our favorite, Mr. Prisco, by Ryan Wilson. He considered Jawan Taylor the best pick for the franchise. To get him in the second round, top ten talent. Right. He kept Felipe up front, up upright at Florida. He held his own in the SEC. Yeah, I have no problem with it. The Jags were two for two so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, and about the the versatility thing, I I tend to think he's more of a right tackle and should stay at right tackle. But uh, Jacob does make a good point. Like if Cam goes down. You, I mean, Juwan Taylor might be better than throwing Josh Wells over that left tackle. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, there there is options there. And that's that's why I was kind of high on getting Jonah Williams, too, is because Jonah Williams, albeit they would be drafting him like Taylor to play right tackle, he could play left tackle, and he was very good at left tackle, by the way. And if something happens to Cam, who, you know, aside from the ACL injury, he has missed a few games. If something were to happen with him, knock on wood, that it doesn't, and we're not saying it will, and we pray that it doesn't. But, you know, all I'm saying is they just need an insurance policy at left tackle. And maybe, you know, maybe the Jaguars think he could play left tackle in emergency situations. I mean, one thing about Taylor, when I look at him on film, especially in the combine, in the combine drills, he does move his feet very well. And, and um, that 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 will help you out at both positions at the right and left tackle positions. Um, I think he has some issues in terms of, um, you know, with, with his hands in terms of, you know, getting a hold of, of, of offensive or defensive players at times. But when he gets a hold on you, if he gets a hold on you, you can count yourself out of the equation in terms of getting to the, to the quarterback or affecting the play at all. Uh, he has brute strength. will will he'll, he'll, 
basically push you into the sidelines if you if you know if you if you allow him and the whistle isn't blown only and another thing with him too i noticed on film is he doesn't necessarily finish like you would want a guy his size to finish but look man doug marone tom coughlin uh you know their offensive line coach will work on him with that they'll they'll teach him to have that nasty and to develop that mean streak cam robinson or help him out in developing as well. You know, he'll develop that mean streak, in my opinion. I think he will. Uh, just being on the same offensive line with a tenacious person like Cam Robinson and with a tenacious person like Andrew Norwell. So maybe, you know, he'll develop that nasty to finish plays. But when the whistle's going, he, you know, he goes hard. He goes hard as it comes. So um, that being said, next uh, pick was uh, pick. Number 69, round three, Josh Oliver, tight end from San Jose State. Uh, we all, I mean, like Ward is where we all knew the Jags would probably draft a tight end at some point in this draft and relatively high, which they did. Some some wish that they would have went higher with a tight end, uh, perhaps Hawkinson in the first round or somebody like Irv Smith in the second round. Uh, but when you look at the steals they got in round one and two, you can't blame them for what they did in those first rounds. Um, that being said, Josh Oliver is a guy you would think you look on film. He's definitely not a guy that you're going to see blocking. If he is, <laughs> it, it ain't going to be often. So, I mean, that's no offense to him. But, I mean, like, that's a common trend with tight ends this, these days. A lot of people ain't really drafting tight ends, at least high, because of their blocking ability. It's because of his receiving ability. Uh, he was a great receiver from the intermediate level. Uh, from the deep level and from the the short range as well. So he's a guy that offers Nick Foles a weapon on all three levels of the field. 6'5", 249 pounds, ran 4'6", 3", went to the senior bowl. Uh, this is a guy that I think he's still developing. He has high upside. And I actually like this pick. Um, Jacob, how do you feel about the addition of tight end Josh Oliver from San Jose State? I mean, everybody knew we were going to get take a tight end at some point. Everybody knew we needed a tight end. So I'm not mad at it. And like you said, no need to take a tight end in the first round when you have Josh Allen sitting right there in your lap. Right, right. <laughs> no need to take a tight end in the second round when you have Jawan Taylor sitting right there in your lap. And if you look at the team, while, yes, we need a tight end, Adding depth to our linebacker core and plugging in the hole that Dante Fowler left when we shipped him to L.A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that takes a little more precedent. Oh, OK. Oh, look, we got a top 10 talented um, old lineman. Yeah, that old line's been real bad last year. Yeah, let's go get him. Yeah, we can go get a tight end later. And then you finally foul to a decent tight end. 6'5", 250, ran a 4'6". Not bad. Yeah. Not not too bad. And looks like he like you said, he's catching at short routes and immediate deep ball. He's good. He can block. It's not that he can't. He can. It's just he didn't have too much. And tight ends nowadays don't really have to block that much. Yeah, I mean, especially in this scheme, like you, you look at, uh, you know, they're probably going to implement something like the Philadelphia Eagles, which Nick Foles came from, which uh, that's where John Filippo came from. You know, Zach Ertz, they don't really use him. I mean, yeah, they, they shift him. I've seen them shift him around and kind of H back him at times, but it's not something they ask him to do often, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they, you know. You, you you would have to think that they definitely probably plan to use him as a receiver more 
Uh, maybe yeah. in the Joker role, maybe in the slot role, you know. I mean, John Filippo, we all know one thing about it, is he's going to move this young man around and put him in the best position to catch passes from Nick Foles. So, I mean, like like Jacob said, man, like, you can't really fault them for taking Josh Allen in round one over a tight end like TJ Hawkinson. Like, if, let's just, and speak in hypotheticals here, if the Jaguars took TJ Hawkinson over Josh Allen, I would have tossed my MacBook into a wall. All right. And I don't have I think, anger issues. <laughs> I think we all would have revolted. It would have been like, what? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's only a few people who are, you know, who believe they should have went with Hawkinson over Allen. And if you do, uh, you know, that's that's just questionable in my opinion. And I'll say that. And then with Juwan Taylor, yeah, they had us trade up what three picks or something. But what they gave up for him was chips and pennies. Okay, and they still, if you want to be technical about, it, they got an extra pick out of the deal, really, and they got a fifth rounder which they didn't have before. So, I mean, basically, they kind of flip flop picks with the Oakland Raiders in the second round and in some later rounds that you know don't really matter. And I mean, that's a win to get Jawan Taylor at that cost. That's a win. No need to be upset that we didn't get Irv Smith Jr. there, who I like a lot, but still, you know, we got a top. 10 prospect there in Jawan Taylor for nothing. I can't be mad that they went that direction. Josh yeah. Oliver here, like like Jacob said, you know, he's a guy that, you know, at that point, you know, you would think that's where they had to start thinking tight end. Uh, they took who they thought was the best tight end available in their book for what they want to do. And yeah. that's clearly to be a receiver. And you got to think about it. In your first three rounds, you're looking at players who can essentially contribute right away. Right. Right. Like, unless you take a quarterback, unless it's like the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation where you're taking a quarterback to sit a year or two, you're not taking players early to groom them for later. You're looking like, all right, look, I need you to be able to come in, play, you know, contribute in the major, contribute in some shape, form, or fashion. Right. And Josh Oliver has the tools to be able to contribute. Plus, everybody knows a tight end's best. I'm sorry, a quarterback's best friend is either a tight end or a running back in the flat. It's a safety valve. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles has said that in, in terms of the tight end. Yeah, so I mean, it works perfectly. Plus, Mercedes Lewis made a career out of being a safety valve. Mm-hmm. So, right. hey, Josh Oliver, you have potential to be great. I'm not mad at the pick. Now, speaking of not, uh, being mad at picks, and we move on to our next third-round pick, the outside linebacker, <laughs> Quincy Williams out of Murray State. Go right ahead, Jay. Go right Interesting ahead. pick, man. Like, a lot of people lit into the Jags for this, and a lot of people think, uh, we're, we'll talk on this later, the Telvin Smith situation had something to do with this. Uh, but this is the thing about it. Just because there was a lack of film on the internet on Quincy Williams, doesn't mean that the Jaguars didn't do their homework and access game film on this young man. Uh, yeah, maybe he was drafted a little too high in my book. Uh, but when you look at, and me and Jacob talked about this, you look at what Quincy Williams does good on the only highlight video that is of him on YouTube. Which, by the way, guess who uploaded that video? Quincy Williams did. He wanted to make sure <laughs> he wanted to make sure everybody knew who he was heading into this draft process. Uh, but yeah, sure, he came from a small school, but me and Jacob talked about this. Like, at the weak side linebacker position, which is probably where they're going to play him, they said he's going to play linebacker. This is what we need out of you as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you miss tackles? No. Quincy Williams doesn't miss tackles. Can you hit hard? 
or can you get to the ball carrier and 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 make a a, a solid hit on the ball carrier? Quincy Williams can do that, okay? And Quincy Williams just has that 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 it factor in terms of like when you're a weak side linebacker, you just have to feel your way to the ball. He can feel his way to the ball. He was always at Murray State around the ball. His coaches have said it. The highlight film that he put on YouTube says he's always around the ball. He led the team in tackles as a safety. I think he played safety at Murray State at the time. Led the team in tackles. And, you know, again, yeah, overdrafted a little bit. But you you listen to the things that, you know, the Jaguars have said about him. You listen to what the San Francisco 49ers said about him. That That's another thing. Is the, you had other teams coming out saying, oh, yeah, that kid, we were considering taking him fourth or maybe, you know, late third round. San Francisco considered doing it. And you know why? They run a similar scheme to us. So obviously they saw some potential there. He was on Seattle's board at that point. They run a similar scheme. So that being said, uh, I don't think it's a horrible pick, but I, I definitely won't slam the pick like everybody else was. <laughs> All right, look, so uh, like you said, there's a lot of nothing out there in regards to Quincy Williams. Right. His brother was Quentin Williams from Alabama. That's the most known fact about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you're his brother. Oh, okay. Between those two, moms should be getting a new house and a new car. Oh, yeah, man. Mom's set, bro. <laughs> Mom's set. That's a talented family, too. You look at Quincy yeah. and Quentin on, on film, bro. Something about, like, dad, I don't know what dad and mom did in terms of sports back in the day, but, I mean, they obviously had the juice back in the day, bro. But that leads me to the question of how do you end up at Murray State and your brother ends up at Alabama? That's a good question. I look at Quincy, though, and I look at these measurables. What, we talking 5'10", like, and, and I, maybe his measurables had something to do with it. You know, like, because Quentin is obviously the height, weight, speed specimen, the strength specimen of the... He, he inherited the the NFL body, obviously. And it looks like, to me, Quincy inherited the speed in the family. Okay, yeah, you're 5'10". Drew Brees was 5'10 at quarterback, and he played at Purdue. So, I mean, you could have easily went to a bowl subdivision school. I just want to know what happened where it's Murray State. So, that tells me that there's either a large gap in talent between the two, or somebody just missed on him coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. But it's like, again, this is your brother, and he goes to Alabama. All that's neither here nor there. He's a third-round pick. He was in the top 100, so we expect something out of him. He had three career interceptions, two last season. Like you said, we really just need you to hit somebody. Just go ahead and knock somebody out, man. Don't miss a tackle. Don't Don't, play outside yourself. Don't hit him in the head either because that's a penalty. Okay. (laughs) Because it's like you have Ronnie Harrison back there. You have the pieces back there. You have Jalen and Boye up front. So it's not like you were expecting you to just come out and be the savior or the anchor of the defense. That's not right. necessary. So in that sense, I get it. Um, maybe you slightly overreach for him. Right. But it goes back to that whole adage of if you're in the picked in the first three rounds, we expect immediate contributions out of you. Right. Like you should be a starter or a significant contributor. It's like when the Bucks took uh, Robert Aguayo – about two, three years ago, 
in the third round, everybody's like, whoa, yo, taking a kicker? Oh, talking about uh, Roberto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roberto, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, whoa, oh, yo, you taking a kicker? I would like, never uh, do that. And I understand. Top three rounds. I understand that man's the most accurate kicker in college football history. And like, Seabass was the first round pick. Not everybody is Seabass. Yeah, that's true. So there's the, okay, he fits the scheme. It's kind of late, talent, but you're still slightly overreaching. So I think that's that's everybody's reaction. It's just, mm, all right, right, a little overreach. And also, Murray State, everybody's like, what? Right. What? And again, what like is- you, some people feel like the Telvin Smith situation. Again, we're going to talk on that had something to do with this too. Because if Telvin Smith, if they could contact him right now, a lot of people feel like, you know, they probably would have just passed on Quincy Williams and went elsewhere with the pick, but... It's insurance. Like, yeah. This is the theme of the Jags draft. Basically, it's insurance. Some shape, form, or fashion. It's just insurance of some type. Every pick has been an insurance pick, more or less. Yeah, that's a that's a big theme. You're right. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a common theme with the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, drafting. Um, a lot. We saw it a lot last year. Not necessarily. I don't even want to call it insurance, but it's hey, we got a successor in place for this expensive veteran. You know, that we need uh, DJ Chark. You know, they got him to succeed. Um, well, no, no, not not DJ Chark, but Ronnie Harrison. I'm sorry. Ronnie Harrison got him to succeed. Barry Church uh, overpriced. You know, albeit Barry Church wasn't getting paid crazy, crazy figures. But <laughs> uh, overpriced guy for what they asked him to do. And a guy that was past his prime. He was an insurance policy. Uh, my man Taven Bryan, insurance policy for Malik Jackson, as we saw last year, because Malik Jackson is no longer here. And Taven Bryan will be moving into the interior in his place. So that's a thing that the Jags like to do. Um, I think with Bryan, they probably was hoping that he would be Calais' successor, but he really didn't pan out that well on on the defensive end uh, position. Yeah. But I mean, still, like it was, it was you could kill, you know, one of the two birds with with one stone with Taven Bryan if he doesn't fit at Calais' spot. Let's move him into the inside and get rid of this high-priced free agent that we got in Malik Jackson many, many years ago, which they did. So, yeah, you're right. This is this is insurance. Um, you would think, especially, well, you know what? I'm not going to even talk on it yet. We'll talk about that when we get to the Telvin Smith part. <laughs> but all it's I'm just, saying, you know, he, he's a way cheaper option than Telvin Smith. Fair enough. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the Sporting News has an article of the seven worst draft picks based upon their oh, value. Oh, God. They have him listed as the third worst pick. The second worst pick is the Matt Gay, the kicker from Utah to the Bucks, who they took in the fifth round, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. The number one overall worst pick based upon value is, of course, Daniel Jones, number six overall. By now, everybody's seeing the memes and the reactions of Giants fans everywhere. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you thought Jacksonville was going to make the bad pick. You beat oh, us to man. it. <laughs> exactly, bro. They, they made it. Uh, let, let's just say Tom Coughlin, who, uh, you know, a lot of people like think he still has friction with the Giants organization. Let's just say he really made them look bad this year. OK, in terms of what he did in the draft compared in comparison to what they did in the draft. But we uh, digress from the point. Uh, fifth round pick. Pick number 140 overall. This is the pick, one of the picks they got from the Oakland Raiders when they traded uh, with them to come up to get Jawan Taylor in the second round. We didn't have a fifth round pick previously. We did when we made that trade. 
that's a good thing because a lot of us, you know, this this draft was so deep. A lot of us wanted a fifth round pick because you could get not necessarily a starter, but a contributor or a special teams guy in the fifth round. And that's what the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars did. They got a contributor here. Uh, Ryquel Armstead from Temple went to the Senior Bowl, 5'11", 220, ran a 4'5". Um, this is a guy that elite explosiveness. I said that today on the radio on uh, Fox Sports Valdosta. Uh, I wish I could have recorded that, but my recorder wasn't working. But anyway, I talked about him. He has elite explosiveness. That's clear. I mean, the man's 220 and run a 4-5. That tells you all you need to know about his explosiveness. You turn on the film, you see it. He's a one-cut-and-go guy. He's a lot like Leonard Fournette. But a lot of people could argue that he's tougher. You know, this guy played through a ankle injury at Temple. Uh, played under Matt Raul, who is, you know, a lot of people respect Matt Raul and is a fundamental, uh, you know, tough-nosed type of coach. Uh, so, you know, he's he's been coached well. So, there's that. Um, so, that being said, man, this is, again, going back to that word we used, insurance policy. This is insurance for if Leonard Fournette gets hurt because they sit, they, I mean, they're the same prospect, basically. But, again, like, I just think that Armstead may be a little faster and more explosive uh, albeit a little lighter than Fournette, but um, I love this pick. I think this is the most underrated pick in the Jaguars draft class. Uh, what say you about Armstead, Jacob? I'm sitting here looking at this. I'm looking at his tape. I remember him from watching Temple. Just oh, that's the twelve o'clock game today. Cool, we could do this. <laughs> the boy, the man is a two hundred and twenty pound scat back, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you're you're comparing him to Fournette and. I don't I see it, but I don't see it because oh, Fournette there, is. Is there? I see it, <laughs> but Fournette is god awfully slow. If we're being honest. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like in ter- that's and that's what I was saying. Like the the four uh four four five forty shows he's quicker than Fournette. But again, albeit yeah. he's smaller than Fournette a little bit, not much. Yeah. yeah, Fournette is more of a make a move that first move if he makes you miss he makes you miss if not he goes through you armstead is a make the first move you are behind him and now he'll go through the next man yeah, Take, yeah. running back and he looked for contact too it was plenty of times on the film where it's like a db a walk up on him and he like dude you don't you do you really want this smoke man yeah he's not shying away from contact yeah. you mentioned that he's tougher than fournette that remains to be seen. This might be the one time I defend Fournette. Fournette was getting murdered on a week-in and week-out basis by SEC linebackers <laughs> and defensive ends. That's true. That is a this whole is different breed of size, speed, and strength compared to the American Athletic Conference. Right. He was getting hit routinely by what the, those guys from the Georgia team, Leonard Floyd, and uh, I don't. I can't even think of all the – I mean, I'm a Georgia fan and I'm going blank, but getting hit by those guys from Alabama – Weekend and we yeah. got yeah, it's a little different for sure. Yeah. So he may have on paper near the same mileage as Fournette, but it's not quite the same caliber and quality. But great pick. Yeah, he's he's gonna be. Uh, I think Ryquel Armstead. When we look back at it, he could be uh, one of the guys we say, okay, that was a great fifth round pick, like Telvin Smith was fifth round pick guy that turned out to be a, a very very solid contributor uh, when it's all said and done. So. I mean, and we've seen, you know, the Jaguars have had a little look with late round guys, so we'll see. Um, next pick, oh, the the man, the myth, and the legend. 
I'm sorry, hold on. I was just watching his highlights. I just watched him shoot a gap against BC, have a defender within like two steps and just cut those burners on and smoke this man. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It was one of the film, uh, one of the highlights. Not film, but the, like, I actually watched the highlights to that game or the, the film Ooh. breakdown of that game. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's something to see a running back cut through a hole, shake off a tackle, and then proceed to smoke a corner who has an angle on him. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of people that had angles on him, and then, like, when they got up on him, it was like, he per- he turned on the burners, and it's like, this kid got some... Like, I'm I'm thinking, I don't know what, um... I don't know how they really measure explosiveness in the combine, but I would think if you can measure it, he probably had elite explosiveness in, in terms of the combine. He, he may have ranked atop the list if, you know, it's a way to measure that, but, um, you know, that's neither here nor neither there, so... Um, yeah, that is get in the house. The streetlights came on. I was supposed to be home already. Speed. <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna get a whooping if I don't get home on time. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like, oh, man, streetlights flickering. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. And I made it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, like I was saying, uh, pick uh, the sixth round pick, uh, number one seventy eight. The man, the myth, the legend, the man who has already set Jaguar social media ablaze. Gardner, the mustache man. Minshew out of Washington State. That sound everybody hears is me hitting my head against the mic right now because of you. <laughs> Six one, two hundred twenty five pounds, ran a 4.97. Uh, not the best ran forty, but hey, we we we're not we didn't draft Gardner Minshew to run around. I mean, we got Nick Foles for crying out loud. You know, we we don't worry about scrambling no more. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to take a shot at Nick like that, but uh, I did. And it's on. Uh, it's, it's now on the recording. So that being said, anyway, uh, Minshew uh, is a guy that was fifth in the Heisman uh, vote. Uh, he highly productive. Um, I talked about this on Fox Sports again uh, today on my appearance with them. Uh, I, if I recall, he threw for more yards than Kyler Murray, had more attempts than Kyler Murray, and had a slightly better uh, percentage than Kyler Murray. Um, that's not to say he's better than Kyler Murray. I'm just saying. Uh, by comparison, he was highly productive. And uh, that being said, Jacob, what are your thoughts on Duval's next big social media juggernaut, Gardner Minshew? You know, it's funny. We just sent a quarterback who stayed at the beach all the time out of town. <laughs> now we replaced him with another one who is very likely to stay at the beach all the time. <laughs> And somebody However, said on Twitter, they was like, "Man, he's gonna uh, he's gonna break some hearts at the beach uh, at the beach bars, man. I can already tell it, or something to that effect." Oh man! However, like you mentioned, he put up numbers. What he played for Mike Leach in Washington State, the master of the air raid offense. Washington State was in contention for uh, the playoffs most of the season. Like mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely for sure. And he was slanging it. He is kind of average. If you like, look at his measurables, he checks out average, basically. Mm-hmm. 6'1", 225. It's like nothing special. Right. But there's something about him, watching him at Washington State. He can definitely sling the ball around with the best of them. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. It's, a good, it's good to have a good backup that you feel good about. We'll see how it translates to the next level. If he can beat out Kessler, and I do believe Tanner Lee is still on the roster. Yes, by some miracle, he is on the roster. <laughs> Don't ask <Yes>. me how. 
So as of now, we have four quarterbacks on the roster. Five, bro. We got uh the kid from uh that we signed in January from um the Seahawks. Uh, Alex McGough, McGuff. I think Alex McGuff from uh he played at Florida Atlantic. I think so. They got five. So you would think they're gonna probably cut somebody. And I'm thinking it's Tanner Lee. I'm literally sitting here right now with my head turned sideways and my face screwed up like, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We signed him as um like one of those uh, reserve type deals. Like we signed ah, Thomas gotcha. Ross too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, Minshew, I mean, the arm strength, clearly, that's one thing that people will point to that isn't there. Um, a lot of people have like called him and ESPN were was on record for saying this to like a Baker Mayfield light in terms of his presence on the field and his uh like the way that he can lead a team. Uh so that being said, we'll see how he leads the third string or wherever they place him in the um in what the off season. I'm blanking out. What's the uh, the preseason is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but uh, the the thing that sticks out about Gardner Minshew and Tom Coughlin talked about this right away when he was drafted is the football IQ, and I think that has a lot to do why why he was drafted where he was a high football IQ guy. I think he said he learned like four offenses within like two years or something like that or, or a year or something something like that. But he he learned a lot of offenses uh, because of the constant changes around him. Um, and he never really could settle in at one college and two. He got to Wazoo. I think he went to Eastern Carolina before that. Um, I think he considered going to Alabama late in his career. And um, he might have gone some other places before that. So he's he's been around, finally found a home at Wazoo uh, and, and did a good job under Mike Leach's offense, to say the least. So uh, last pick is um, Dontavious Russell, a defensive tackle. He's probably going to be a nose tackle for us. Uh, out of Auburn, uh, Jacob being a uh, Alabama, uh, well, at least he's from Alabama. I'm sure he knows a lot about Russell. Uh, me being a Georgia fan, I know a lot about him. He's a guy that um, he disrupts the run very well. Uh, he's done that against Georgia on occasions. Um, and he's a guy that I think the Jaguars got predominantly for that. Um, as we all know, with the 43 under concepts that they use, they struggle against the run sometimes. Uh, if you listen to the Back Shoulder Fade podcast, me and Josh break down why that is with that type of defense. Uh, so feel free to listen to us over on iTunes on that. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy that, like, you know, basically he's just going to back up Marcel Darius and Avery Jones at the nose tackle position. They're going to rely on him more so for run defense. Uh, that being said, Jacob, how do you feel about the Russell pick? Like you said, he's going to serve in the backup role. Maybe a little practice squad scout team. Mm-hmm. He has great stuff. Like at Auburn, he was a disruptor. Right. You could sit here and look at Auburn's defense and you can say all you want about how their defense looked for the most part last year. They could create chaos when they wanted to, and a lot of that came from him up front. Right. Blowing off of one man and just tying up another one so somebody else could come through, putting quarterback pressure. I'm watching highlights now and I'm seeing that Washington game where Washington's quarterback airmailed a couple, and I'm like, uh, that's why, because he's in the backfield like that. Right. So, Seventh-round pick, you know, like I said, your death, your practice squad, third string, maybe you show out in training camp, move some things around, and you luck up and get into a more prominent role, but you're more than likely going to back up Marcel Darius. 
319. That is the only thing that concerns me is his weight. Mm-hmm. Hey, but Which, you look at that 40 time. That is not bad for a man his size. So that I think to me that shows that he can move and he's not quote unquote out of shape in my opinion. This but, is true. Yeah, that 5.15 for a man that's nearly 330? Yeah, I think Rich Eisen runs like a 5.7, so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me see. I, it, I know it's almost near 5. Oh, my God. I mean, but you know, hey, look, man. I think Rich, for the most part, like, year by year, he's improved at 40 time. I, I'm not sure. I, I have to go back and look at the archives on that, but... I mean... Like I said, man, that's that's not a bad forty time for a young man in uh, Dontavious Russell. Rich Eisen, he runs a faster forty than Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen ran a six on the head. Oh, jeez, that ain't that still ain't bad for Rich. How old Rich? Rich is like what? Fifty? Let's see. The point I'm making is a three hundred pound man should not be able to move. That fast, yeah, in that sure. short of a distance. Rich Eisen is forty nine. He turns fifty this year. Okay, so yeah, that ain't bad out of Rich, man. And especially in a suit at that. So, <laughs> and we can let that suit excuse go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, moving on to the undrafted guys. We'll talk about them too. I'm clicking on the link right now uh, to refresh my memory on those guys. Um, Shane Bowman, Tyree Brady, Kari Clark. Let's see. Let's see if any of these other names jump off to me. Carson Meyer. Andrew Williams would be the line mate of Mr. Russell at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Zedrick Woods. He ran like a, a crazy 40 at the um, combine out of Ole Miss. And we have two contenders for name of the year in the draft. We have Mr. Poppy White (laughs) and Mr. Bunchy Stallings. Yeah, hey, it's funny you bring them up. We'll we'll talk about them. Those are kind of two of the – well, I I won't say like Bunchy is for sure. Um, He's a guy that I think was draftable late in the draft. Uh, He's at 6'3", like 310-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, Definitely can compete for a job as a backup. As we all know, we um we did lose a little bit of our depth in the offensive line when they lost Eric Flowers to I think it was the Redskins. Although Eric Flowers plays a whole different position, um, but when you look at the Jags on paper, our tackle depth looks pretty good in terms of what we have. I think Wells is coming back. Uh, they got Cedric Ovuji, uh, and then of course we drafted um Jawan Taylor. And then there's Will Richardson. So I think their their depth at offensive line in the on the outside is good. Bunchy Stallings might make and make this team as an interior offensive lineman. And yeah, like you said, that that is a uh, interesting name to say the least. Yeah, I'm just I had to go look at his player profile real quick to see if Bunchy was actually his first no, name or if it was a nickname. Not. It's a nickname <laughs> that stuck from childhood. Right. But I'm also noticing Bunchy is legit. First team AP All-American, first team All-SEC honors in his senior year, 13 games at right guard. Yep. Like you said, he's a solid interior lineman. He helped uh, Benny Snell to have back-to-back 1,000-yard receptions, and Benny Snell was drafted to the Steelers. Yeah, he'll more than likely make the roster. Um, uh, And who was the other one you said? uh, Poppy White. Poppy White, yeah, um, a little bit about him. I don't, I haven't seen a lot of film on him, but I looked at him in terms of his measurables 
And he's like 5'8", 180. You know who Poppy White probably reminds a lot of people of in terms of the size? You remember Shane Wynn that was with the Jaguars not too long ago? Mm-hmm. This is definitely a Shane Wynn replacement, probably. Uh, probably a fiery guy that can contribute on special teams. Speedy as all get out, can play some slot. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so those were some of the standouts. Uh, Savion Smith from Alabama. Again, Jacob is from Alabama. I watched my share of Alabama. This man had like a fourth round grade tied to him, according to NFL Network. Uh, so, you know, injuries really held him back from, you know, a lot of teams value availability. And uh, that's partially the reason he fails. So uh, that's a guy that I mean, the Jaguars are kind of deep at corner as it is in terms of the even behind Boye and, and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, they have DJ Hayden at the nickel. Uh, they have Trey Herndon. They have Quentin Meeks. So it's going to kind of be hard from that perspective to make it. But, you know, uh, Savion, I say that to say that Savion definitely should have been drafted despite the injury issues. So uh, we'll we'll see. Um, let's see. Marquez Sanford played with uh, Quincy Williams mm-hmm. uh, out of Murray State. Let's see. Real quick, though, the thing with Savion Smith. Mm-hmm. The last thing that most people remember once they figure out who Savion Smith is, he was the cornerback that got lit up in the national championship game. Yeah, if you when I go to the USA Today portal for pictures to add to, you know, our articles and whatnot, <laughs> a lot of his pictures are of him getting burnt by somebody or somebody catching a pass on him. So that was telling, in my opinion. That was telling. Yeah. <laughs> he also left Alabama early. He spent one season at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, transferred to Bama, left Bama early, went undrafted. This is a case where betting on yourself does not pay off. Yeah. Yeah, some stability probably would have helped him. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely would have helped him. And again, availability, too. He was injured a lot, too. So um, another name sticks out, Tyree Brady. I'm sure the Jacksonville Jaguars know a lot about Tyree Brady because he went to the University of Miami prior to going to Marshall. And uh, he's a Florida native. I forget. I think he's from Homestead off the top of my head. Uh, But they they probably this is a young man. They probably watched since dating back to his high school days. Uh, We're talking about a 6'3", off the top of my head, specimen, 211 pounds, uh, led the herd in receiving. I think he was all-conference. I forget what conference uh, Marshall is in. Uh, but The Mac? Is it the Mac? I'll let Jacob research that real quick while I uh, continue to talk about him. Uh, But, yeah, he was all-conference, and he's a guy that you look at the Marquise Lee situation – um, they said Marquise Lee won't be back till late in the preseason, which that makes it questionable to wonder if Marquise Lee will be able to make the final roster going into week one. They might have to IR him is what I'm saying. So I, I think the Jaguars may have a case where they have to use uh, two maybe or two or one undrafted wide receiver. And they have a bunch of undrafted receivers on this list. But they Conference have, USA. Conference USA. It explains it. But I think Tyree Brady can make this roster as a placeholder for Marquise Lee or maybe stick to the roster even when Marquise can come off IR if it comes to that. They might just go into the season with him on the final roster. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that's a name to watch. Um, so Tyree Brady, Bunchy Stallings, Savion Smith, Zedrick Woods, uh, Poppy White, and was it one more that we mentioned? <laughs> Yep, the kid that went Tyree to Auburn. Brady. Yep. 
uh, Andrew Williams. Where is he on this? Yep, there he is. Yep. Here's my thing. You just mentioned um, Tyree. Mm-hmm. There's five, one, two, three, four, five undrafted free agent wide receivers that we signed. Yeah, that was intentionally, too. I'm sure of it. Three, four. The receiving core, I made this joke all last season. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's already 20 deep. It's like, matter of fact, yeah. hold that thought real quick. Jaguars. He's about to do a count. <laughs> Jaguars.com slash roster. Here we go. Counting tight ends. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six tight ends on roster right now. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. Seven and eleven. Eighteen. There are eighteen members of the receiving core on roster right now. It needs to be that way. It does. <laughs> because tight end is still questionable, uh, despite adding Oliver and Geoff Swain. And receiver, at the back end of the receiver core, there's question after uh, what after Westbrook, uh, after DJ Chark, after Keelan Cole, and after Chris Conley. So, yeah. I will do you one better. The most senior member on this of this receiving roster is is Marquise Lee with six years in the league, followed by Chris Conley, followed by Ben Koyak, and then it becomes, oh, I forgot uh, O'Shaughnessy. Oh, boy, I don't know how I forgot O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> yeah, they're young, bro. They're super young. But, like, we talking, like, what? If Marquise Lee, like, 26, right? 27. Marquise Lee is 27. Needless to say, uh, they need competition there. Because they're so young, and at the back end of the, especially at the back end of um, the wide receiver position, they may need some guys. And uh, again, like the tight end position, still a lot of people could argue is still kind of a weakness. Um, so, all of that said, me and Jacob have done a good job on the time, and I hope. Let me check my counter here. Fifty-eight minutes, and we haven't been recording all fifty-eight minutes, so it's less than that. Uh, really quick. We're going to get into the Telvin Smith situation. Forgot about that. Um, so Dave Caldwell in his comments recently uh, at the after the NFL draft, uh, when they asked him about the Telvin Smith situation, uh, he said, we'll see. They don't want to get into hypotheticals. Something I'm just paraphrasing there, something along those lines. So I say that to say this, as we all know, Telvin Smith has not been at voluntary workouts which is no big deal because it's voluntary but the kicker here is and the weird thing about it is they haven't been able to contact him they've been able to contact Jalen Ramsey who's not there as well they've talked to him everything's good with him according to Doug Marone but they haven't been able to get Telvin Smith his agent we haven't seen so much as a social media comment from Telvin Smith uh all of that said Jacob first and foremost uh, what do you make of the Telvin Smith situation? Do you think the Jaguars are going to trade him? And and by, by what do you make of the situation? I'm asking, um, why is it that you think he hasn't reached out to them and he's gone ghost all of a sudden? Okay, one, voluntary workouts. So, again, voluntary. That means I have the option to show up if I feel like showing up. Right. But, no, I'm I just saying, like, not to say nothing, though. Like, I mean, that I don't – that the voluntary part don't even bother me. You know, right. if you don't show up, that's fine. But, like, they can't even get a hold of them. So they say. 
so they say we don't know the truth behind it yeah and, okay. and I, yeah like that's kind of concerning that is but again voluntary i don't have to show up i don't have to talk to you right now there is nothing that mandates i have to talk to you right now so maybe again this is all speculation because nobody knows what's going on mm-hmm. on the on one extreme is okay Tevin smith just wants some time away from football just wants to spend a little time don't want to be bothered hey maybe. i don't i don't have to pick up the phone i don't have to talk to you i don't have to be there enjoy this silence when right. I have to report and when I have to engage with you, I will. But right now, I just want to take some downtime, relax, and I think about it. Here's my agent. My agent's been instructed on what to do. If that's the case, I have not one lick of a problem with it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think this is contract related or money related for him to. I, I think, and a lot of people have speculated on this. They may have come to him to ask him to take a pay cut or or something along those lines before. Or or after the season, it might have ticked him off, and he's not talking to them as a result because there. I mean, you know, typically there's no reason for a, a like you say, yeah, it's voluntary. But typically in these situations, the player at least reaches out to the coach or a, 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 a assistant on the staff, you know, their position coach or something. You know, like sometimes you you know that old saying that silence. Uh, I don't know how it goes exactly, but silence can say a lot or mean a lot. In this case, yep. I think silence can say a lot and silence can mean a lot because for crying out loud, somebody mentioned this on the radio. We're talking about Telvin Smith, who has been a leader of this team for many, many years. And Telvin Smith, who, who uh, you know, he did the, the speech for Puzz's retirement. This is a guy that has been heavily tied to the organization on and off the field. And now they can't get a hold of him. I think that's okay. alarming. That's fine. Also, here's the thing. You just paid the man $45 million. But it was front heavy, right? So there's not too much to restructure. It's all front heavy. So he right, basically right. got most of it on the front end, right? Somebody threw it out there that they believe that Telvin Smith, looking at the deals that um, Quan Alexander got in free agency this year, and somebody else, they would think they believe that Telvin Smith, and this is just speculation again, may have feel he got lowballed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if that's the case, look at the end of the day. You voluntarily signed, talking about the word voluntary again, <laughs> you voluntarily signed this contract. And in my opinion, when Telvin Smith first signed that deal, I looked at it and I said, this is kind of a team-friendly deal. And he left money on the table. You would think Telvin Smith knew that when he put pen to paper. You would think his agent knew that and stressed that to Telvin Smith when he put pen to paper. So I don't know if that's an issue or not, but... You know, if if it is, and I'm a big Telvin Smith fan here, I'm not mad at him or critiquing him. At the end of the day, you signed that contract that even back then didn't look to be the best deal or it could have been a lot better. So, Okay, that's fair. Here's the argument to that. You are a fifth-round pick. You outplayed your position in the draft. Right. Nobody expected you to become what you became. No, I, you know, I, I, I will stop you there. He really should have been drafted in third or second round. I think he fell down. He had a a, a, drug, a bad drug test that dropped him. Okay, okay, yeah. fine. You were stud at Florida State, but the argument is still you were a fifth-round pick. Regardless of how we got there, you got there in the fifth round. So from his standpoint, it's, well, let me get this while I can. That's true. That's fair. Can I get, can I get more? Probably. Are they giving me more right now? No. So, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to get it while I can, but you're going to give it to me up front. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's a possibility. That's a yeah, possibility. So, I mean, and, and like, I mean, in their, I don't want to defend him in this situation. I don't want to say in their defense. But, like, a part of me, like, wonders if he does want more money or if it's money related. Like, where is it going to come from? Because the rookie class is going to, I think I did the math, like, two weeks or three weeks ago. The rookie class is going to leave the Jazz with, like, under $5 million or something like that. And then you got Yannick Ngakwe, your franchise pass rusher, who's on the last year of his deal, who needs a deal. You know, and by waiting, the Jaguars are only hurting themselves by waiting with Ngakwe. Ngakwe because as we've seen with Demarcus Lawrence, these defensive end contracts are getting higher and higher, and they are getting asinine. Which, I mean, I don't want to say asinine because every player deserves what they get. But I'm just saying, like, the longer the Jazz wait with that situation, they're hurting themselves. And Ngakwe has to get paid. And if Ngakwe don't get paid, this is the thing about this defense. If your franchise pass rusher doesn't get paid, that you can't have the success you've had in the past, you know, because especially Telvin Smith, who has struggled mightily in coverage, by the way, need I add, if Ngakwe don't get paid, you get exposed like you did last year, you know, if we want to get technical about that situation. So, like, you know, and, and personally, in my opinion, Ngakwe is at the voluntary stages right now. I don't think he should be there. I think he, he should be the one that's not at voluntary workouts. And he shouldn't be the one that, it's putting himself in a situation where he can injure himself because he is looking at a contract that will guarantee uh, based off of what DeMarcus Lawrence got and, and some of the other guys are getting 65 million guaranteed. And I think like when they come to the voluntary stages of practice, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Yannick Ngakwe didn't return for voluntaries and I wouldn't blame him one bit. Yeah. I mean, this is how I feel about voluntary. It's voluntary. If I show up, I show up. If I don't, I don't come. Don't bother come. Don't come looking for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I'm. That's my that's my point about telling. I'm not mad about the voluntary part. I don't even, hey. you know. Yeah, I don't care about that part. I'm just. It's just. I'm wondering what it is that has make you make made it to the point where you gone ghost completely on the team. Like you won't even contact them. That's all I'm saying. I'm just. It's just weird. There could be saying. there could be some issue between him and Coughlin or the front office, and also <laughs> here's the worst end of the spectrum: the man could be going through something personally and just not want to be bothered. That's true. That's true. So and you can certainly sympathize with him. I, I, you know, I know he lost his brother, and um, you know, you you don't want to speak on a man's family, but I know, you know, that's a hard. What I'm saying is that's something that's kind of hard to deal with. He lost his brother what two or. A year ago, and despite how long ago it was, you know, me and you can speak on this situation personally. Uh, but you know, when you lose somebody that close to you, you know, maybe he's dealing with that, you know, and maybe yeah, he's spending family time with his family. You can't, you certainly can't blame him. That's what it's sure. like. He has downtown, he has downtime now, so now he's processing everything, right? So, and again, all this, this whole issue comes back because he didn't show up for voluntary. Who cares? Like, I know I keep harping on it. And it's not the issue of him not showing up, but him ghosting. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to voluntary. No, I don't have to talk to you. That's I am, true. I am of that mindset of if I don't have to talk to you and if I don't have to be somewhere, why am I bothered? Like, why yeah. are we engaging in something? That's true. And it's funny you you mentioned the Coughlin thing. I think that has something to do with it. I think him and Coughlin might have. This is just, and I don't have an inside source on this, so don't nobody take this from the podcast and go running with it online. Okay, (laughs) that's what I'm saying here. But I think him and Coughlin might have bumped heads after the season. You know, they may have you know approached him, or he may have approached them about money, and they probably went to him and said, "Look, man, you you were 
terrible in coverage last year, which he was. He was it was embarrassing in coverage. And not to mention you got you and Miles Jack combined missed like thirty tackles combined. You weren't a shell of yourself. And I think like that might have sparked a argument between him and Tom Coughlin. And it wouldn't surprise me if it did. And Tom Coughlin said, Hey man, like really you didn't earn your contract from last year, even though, you know, me and you being the, we, we're more on the player side. We will argue that they earn every dollar that they, you know, that they go on the field and earn. But Coughlin being the person he is might've said, Hey, you didn't even play up to your standard last year, man. Like we can't even have this conversation and it might've made him mad. Yeah. There's something to it because I honestly believe it's a combination of all three things that we discussed. The man is like, it's voluntary. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to see you. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. There's the factor of, he may be going through something personal in his personal life involving his family. Again, don't know. Right. Not really trying to speculate. Just looking right. at logical reasons of why somebody would not respond. And prayers to him if that's what he's going through. You know. Right. And then there's the also the third case of there may be something between him and Coughlin or him and Caldwell. Because if you look at how Caldwell and Coughlin both responded when asked about it Caldwell was like yeah we'll see I'm not getting into hypotheticals mm-hmm. that's a sign that you know there is something that you have had some communication mm-hmm. at some point between him or somebody from his camp that has you feeling or leaning toward one thing or the other Right. and for Coughlin to assist, Coughlin doubled down on the statement despite what he said Tevin Smith is a linebacker on our football team and we expect him to be here that is him doubling down on his whole statement of everybody not showing up for voluntary, which right. got him into trouble with the league. And it's him saying, um, yeah, I don't care. It's voluntary. You should be here. Right. That's like him sending a shot. If you read between the lines, there's something more to it. Right. And I mean, so, I don't agree with Coughlin on the situation, but that's neither here or there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that being said, that's where we're at with the Telvin Smith situation. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he shows up for voluntaries. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, do you think he gets traded, Jacob? I don't think so. Not this year, at least. How much cap space does he free up? Uh, well, I I don't know necessarily how much he frees up, but I do know if they could. I think they can cut him and it'll be like a minimal. You know, it won't really hurt him or if let's, it will hurt him at all. Let's see what his contract is for this year. If you trade him this year. That's a good way to put it. If you trade him, how much can you save by trading him? That's that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. He has a twelve point five million dollar cap hit. Okay. So that's depending yeah. up, depending upon who you trade, maybe you save five grand in cap five million cap space. Mm-hmm. And add that to roughly the five to four million they'll have. Uh yeah. maybe they can spend that on Ngakwe. If I'm we're just speaking in hypotheticals, not saying they're gonna trade yeah. Telvin. Uh, but I don't think they trade him. Um, but I do think I do think that Quincy Williams is his successor for not necessarily this year, but as we saw with Barry Church and Ronnie Harrison, uh, or, or should I say uh, Taven Bryan and, and Malik Jackson, maybe the his successor for next year. Mm, I don't know. If you cut him this year, it's thirteen million cap dead cap. If you cut him next season in twenty twenty, it's five point six. So is he getting cut? No, he's not getting cut. Okay. He might get traded, but he ain't getting cut. We'll see. We'll see. Somebody threw it out there to uh, trade him to the Vikings for, but the Vikings, uh, they're, they're kind of loaded at linebacker, and they're paying a lot of money to their linebackers. Give him to the Vikings for um, the tight end. Uh, what's his name? His name is Kyle Rudolph. 
who's respect uh, supposedly on the trade market, or or some people believe is. You can sit on the Baltimore. They can use a linebacker right now with Mosley leaving. Uh, I don't think he's a scheme fit. They run uh, thirty four, right? Yep. Yeah, nah. It work. You could you could work him in, but the point is, Telvin Smith is not getting cut. Will he get traded? Possibly. Do I? Am I willing to put money on it? I think I might have a dollar around here somewhere. <laughs> okay, that that says a lot about how you feel on it. Um, I don't think he gets cut this year. Um, I think he shows up for voluntary workouts if it's nothing personal going on with his family. That's what I say. When do mandatory start? When does mandatory start? If he's not there by the end of the first week of whatever mandatory workouts or OTAs, training camp, whatever, if he's not there by the end of the first week and we haven't heard from him, then it's an issue. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, it's a non-issue. Again, I'm harping on it because it's voluntary. And this is the slow part of the year where it's like, all right, the draft is over. Now we just got voluntary OTAs. We got Ricky Minicamp. What what are we going to talk about? Oh, Tevin Smith's not picking up the phone, and he hadn't told Coughlin anything, and he's not showing up. Let's harp on that. Right. Again, right. it could be it gives, one gives of, us coverage for the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be one of a million things, and quite frankly, unless it's a family matter, I really don't care. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to be honest. Because, hey, if he shows up next week, we'll all forget about this. All right. One more thing on the Telvin Smith situation. I think it's Sports Mania. Somebody uh, tweeted the jerseys out. 30% off of Telvin Smith jerseys. The new ones, that is. I might just get one. Uh, banking that he will be back and being that he's one of my favorite players on the team for the low low there. So. Is, is that from the Jags official store or is that like... Uh, it's one of the local, comp- uh, local store, sports stores. Or sports memorabilia stores in the Jacksonville area. I think that was okay. Sports Mania. So um, oh, okay, I, I, okay. I'll, I'll send it to you because I know you're a Florida State fan. And you might want one too. So uh, we might have to make a trip to Jacksonville <laughs> sooner rather than later. Um, Let me see. That said, we're going to close it out. Um, once again, that was the Jags Den podcast. I think we're in episode 30 something somewhere um, once again. And we were glad to bring you the quality content that we did, uh, quality show. Of course, if you want to listen to this podcast and the other podcasts in our archives, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, Audio Boom, and check us out, especially on um, iTunes because they get us up there in the rankings. Feel free to rate, comment, subscribe, this, that, and the other. Uh, and also on Audio Boom, you can also follow our comrades from the USA Today Sports Media Group. Jacob, any plans or, or any projects you got going on uh, in terms of just uh, uh, the, in terms of the other sites you're writing for and uh, with us? Um, I have a big interview that I need to finish transcribing and putting together. I, I mean, it's recorded. It's in the can. I would say the name, but yeah, it'd be more fun when you just see it pop up on your Twitter timeline. It ain't just, Hot Girl Meg, is it? No, oh, no. I, I, I got I got a double I got a double bag with that one with her people, but just know I think everybody will enjoy it. Um, the, he's a man of the people. He's a great follow on Twitter. Highly entertaining. Highly successful. I, I think we'll get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, just not too much. Going to try to get back to doing more Jack stuff. Other than popping up here and being the yelled into your Fournette. <laughs> Yeah, um, so in terms of me, um, you know, just some afterthoughts on the draft. Uh, 
you know, going to talk about some odds and maybe we can start getting predictions rolling in terms of records um, because the, the rosters are essentially filled out now, though cuts still uh, are going to be a big deal down the road. Uh, so, yeah, we will talk about some rookie minicamp, which that's going to be next week, as Jacob said, in the quick hits. And, um, of course, there's also the Back Shoulder Fade podcast, which me and Josh do. Uh, we'll see if we'll record this weekend on Sunday, talk on the NFL draft. If not, I will have a episode grading uh, the, the top teams, the, the best uh, in terms of the best draft classes uh, in, in my next podcast for that. And um, I will definitely have it up on my Twitter account, which is sportsgrind underscore done. So all of that said, uh, we are signing out. Appreciate the oh, listeners. Oh, uh, one last thing. Go ahead. Miles Shack wasn't down. No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody have a good night. <laughs>